Hello and welcome to our first episode of Ethnic Policy, one of many more to come where we'll be discussing everything ethnic policy related. Um, today we have a very interesting guest, um, Adam Ferzai, who's a researcher, scholar and a essayist. Adam, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, Adam, I, I read your paper, and it's a very interesting one. I'll, I'll, I'll go through the headline. Othering Albanian Muslim Masculinities, a Case Study of Albanian Football Players. It's a very niche one, and I want to ask you, why did you, why did you think of this topic to begin with? Um, first of all, thank you for having read uh, the paper. And, yeah, the first reason is because um, I really am emotionally tied and linked to this generation of Albanian football players, and every time I see, I see them playing, uh, something happens with me inside me. It's very difficult to, to, to describe, but somehow I see myself represented in the struggles and success stories due to our common diasporic experience, because most of these football players uh, have lived in a German-speaking country like I did or grown up here. And, um, but somehow this experience is ignored or misunderstood in mainstream media or mainstream discourse. So for me, it was important to to try to try to uh, correct what I feel is misunderstanding by using post-colonial tools, met methodology, philosophy, and so on and so forth. And the second reason why I chose this topic is because I wanted to further problematize the, stu the study of gender, which often lacks critical analysis of masculinity. So these are the two reasons. It's very interesting because I've underlined Albanian, Muslim and masculinities. They're all three interesting aspects, but I don't want to run ahead of myself. I, I just want to start by asking you, what were your key findings, the research yeah. starting point and to the ending point by the end? What, what, what were the key findings yeah. that you find? That As you uh, uh, already showed by reading the title of my paper, is that I looked at how Albanian mascul Muslim masculinities are other than German-speaking, but also Albanian-speaking discourses. And here I chose to look at Albanian footballers, especially Liverpool's and Swiss national Gerdan Shashiri and Arsenal's and former German national uh, Skodran Mustafi, who won the uh, World Cup in Germany in 2014. I chose uh, football players because they are famous in Europe, they have an impact on the discourse with their presence, and they highlight Islam as an integ integral part of the Albanian identity. Maybe I should elaborate on this one, it is because the Albanian-speaking political elites subordinate themselves to Islamophobic discourse dynamics by trying to erase the Muslimness. It's a Muslim-majority country. Kosovo, for example, 95% of the population is Muslim. And they try to erase the Muslimness in order to join the Euro-Atlantic Euro Club. So this paper is less about Albanians and Germans and what is in between. It is a paper analyzing the power relationship between Germany and Albania, which is heavily impacted by Orientalism, Islamophobia, and Eurocentrism on both sides. So this, this process of othering now is, is much more than just Albanian. It's, it's even within Albania itself, where you are othering a certain type of a, um, a, you know, identity that is, uh, mm -hmm. you think is pivotal to, to the society of Albania, considering a majority of people who come from Albania are 
uh, Muslims and thereby the diaspora is, is, is of Albania's Muslims and there being other. What's the technicality of that? I mean, I can understand how, you know, and you highlighted that a lot through the paper where you gather headlines or coverage or pieces where for X it's different and for Y it's something else. And this is, this is clear. But when it comes to Albanian discourse, how, how is the othering process of an Albanian Muslim masculinity uh, is prevalent to you? Yeah, I think uh, it's very insightful for a very negative, or not maybe negative, but a very cruel aspect of Europeanness or whiteness or Eurocentrism. Because um, what happens in the Albanian elitist circles is that there is a deep, deep anxiety, existential fear of being erased from the European map. What uh, we just have to look at what happened during the 90s. So this is what they feel like, okay? But and one and I don't know this. This should uh, be elaborated in another place. But let me put it like this. So this is the common. This is a situation the Albanian elite chose to import the way the West sees them. So. It is the West seeing the East through their lenses by being not Western. So, in other words, it is self-humiliating. It is a self-humiliating import of a Euro-Atlantic hegemonic discourse. And as I already said, the irony of, is, of this is that the way of speaking and thinking became so hegemonic in Albanian discourses that it is quite difficult to speak against this trend without being immediately stigmatized. It goes even further, it is even somehow an identity crisis, and it's not only Albanian identity crisis, but here we go to bigger questions, pre preoccupying a lot of people before me, like how to make sense of Muslim identity or identity socialized in Muslim context in modern society, which are based on an epistemology, which is white as political category and Christian, read colonial. But then it draws me to another question then, um, if it comes down to the fact that it is just a fear of a Muslim um, minority, does that then, does your formula apply to say other um, East European or Balkan nations that are not necessarily Muslim? So say for example, a Croatian football player, uh, we have many Croatian football players in Western European leagues, or do they also feel the othering? Is there othering stigma or is there a sort of us versus them when it comes to the media or is it your things become complicated because um in western societies there's a indifference between with regards to the balkans so um let me start by this there's a amazing concept by a scholar called alyosha tudor and the scholar differentiates between um, migratism and racism. This is basically to say that racism is something which is very, very cruel and very, very, you know, I th don't think in nowadays it's, it's need a, it needs a proper definition. Yeah. But let's focus on migratism. What could mean migratism? Migratism is discrimination linked to the fact that you have migrated, which means that you can experience racism and migratism at the same time. But especially this concept is especially useful to, un to understand the different layers of uh, discrimination. For example, a Croat has also experienced the uh, wars in the Balkans, but different from an Albanian. So we cannot use the same tools to make sense of the experiences, which is why 
in the Albanian case, you could speak of racism and in that sense also of migratism because their religion is somehow racialized. Whereas the Croat, his religion is not racialized because it's uh, Christian. So this is maybe interesting to highlight here. But uh, the question in itself is also uh, a very, very complex question. And, uh, but at the same time, a question journalists use in order to create a simplistic understanding of the Balkans. But I think there should be a whole episode on that matter. But only one thing maybe that could be highlighted in the context of modernity, as I explained before, the understanding of white and Christian civilization, the genocides of the Balkans um, are not so much an unexplainable exceptions in Europe. One could argue that it is rather the continu continuation of the application of colonialist expansive ideas of whiteness. I want to go back to the German-speaking media now. Does this apply to all professions? Uh, you are completely right, and I think it does apply, especially if you look at uh, rap in German language. Uh, currently, there's a hype on Albanian rappers. So they are experiencing similar uh, procedure of other othering. But I'd like to go somewhere else. I'd like to look at, for example, um, Turkish players in Germany or Algerian players in Germany and try to put into context with my paper. Because indeed, when I wrote my paper, I wanted to elaborate on this and, try and make the links between uh, these Albanian players and this German-speaking context, but also other migrants. And um, I think my findings are even more evident in the case of Turkish players in Germany or Algerian players in France, because the structuring dynamics are the same as I pointed out in my research. We just have to look at the Mesut Özil uh, case or the Karim Benzema case. You have here basically the scapegoat of the migrant in the German-speaking country, the uh, Turkish migrant, Mesut Özil, who decided to play for Germany. But at the end of the day, he had to quit because there was uh, too much racism raised against him. And when this happened, the team was against him, media was against him, society treated him as a traitor. But this idea that there's something essential wrong and weird and with these Muslim migrants, which are so Muslim that it does not get on the surface, but the fact that they are Muslim impacts so many things, which I'd like to elaborate because it was one of my key findings. I mean, um, I, I, my main hypothesis was that Albanian Muslim men are tacitly othered due to the inherent Orientalist episteme of Albanians in New Atlantic discourses. What I mean by here is that we have in the 19th century, in 20th century, in uh, major European languages, very Orientalist mm -hmm. depiction of Albanians, which could easily be used in uh, Edward Said's books. And this othering of these masculinities becomes explicit when the behavior is interpreted as foreign to Western values. Un-Swiss, for example. Ex exactly. And um, one such example would be to highlight Islam as part of the identity of several Albanian football players too. And now if we go back to Özil and Benzema, which I like both as players, <laughs> they are also, they highlight the Muslimness. And th the fact that they highlight the Muslimness causes constant, constant passive aggressiveness, which is very characteristic of Western societies with them. Like, they are not very happy that they're doing this. Why are they not? with or German or, or blending in. So basically, 
in the versus case, we go to the depiction of these players as uncultivated, unwilling to integra integrate into Western society, ideologically dangerous. For example, Jerna Shachi had a, had, took a picture with one of the most famous uh, imams of Kosovo, uh, Shevchuk Kastici, and it was depicted in Switzerland and in Kosovo as, oh my God, Jerna Shachi is getting an Islamist. What should we do now? So basically, to put it in other words, these players are implicitly defined as the non-European. So the, in the sense of until, like, this is exactly what I am not. And, and now to go to the gender aspect, if you translate all this to gender hierarchies, it means that in Europe we have subordinate masculinities towards the European secular hegemonic masculinities, which means that if we take this white feminist idea that the, the man is always the oppressor, I, I don't want to, to, to contradict that, I just want to say that it's more complicated than that. I want to say, is this a pan-media phenomena, or is it exclusive to certain anti-immigrant media propaganda machines? To be honest, it is, it is a characteristic uh, which, is, which, is, which goes to every media. The only difference is the scale of explicitness. Like, for example, the tabloid like Bild Zeitung or Blick in Switzerland, they are very, very obvious in the understandings but for example in my case i also found out that intellectual newspapers like more academic ones uh, like die welt in germany they also um were shocked when uh, uh Mustafi refused to give an interview with a with a ad for a beer company so even in this intellectual newspaper it it was it was not bluntly islamophobic like here you have it but it was like oh my god why does it do this this is not uh, you know it started relativizing like is this really necessary why does he do this and stuff like that so i would say it's the level of of explicitness explicity which which is the which is the nuance here now i want to get with, with a little bit personal on your on your research and when you come when you, when you focus more and when you dig more when it comes to the you know the identity politics of things and I want to see if you see it as, as binary as you're sounding. Is it a secular Albanian versus a Oriental Muslim Albanian? Is, is it binary when it, when it comes to you seeing it through a post-colonial perspective? Or is it much more complex and, you know, a, a, a single Albanian can have both identities um, and, and it's just the media not seeing it? Um, I think it's much more complex than this, but the way you explained it is basically what happens in the Albanian discourse. So you have basically the power holding side, which is secular and tries to be, tries to subordinate themselves to European ideas, like the idea that the West is superior to everything else is very much ingrained, not in the way they, 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 they think and write, but in the way everything they do. So this is also a main reason why there is also a discrimination coming from the Albanian elite towards the, uh, the um, migrants, uh, the Albanian diaspora, living especially in German-speaking countries. There's even a notion for this, and I wrote something about that. But um, this dichotomy you described is, is defined by Enesu Starova's concept of Albanian Orientalism. There's a whole book in Albanian, unfortunately not translated into English or another language, uh, addressing this issue. 
But if you look, if you look deeper into that matter, you have, for example, um, Albanian politicians who, in private circles, they pretend to be the more Islamic than the imam in the room. One of the famous hojas uh, told this in a talk show in Kosovo, that one of the most famous politicians in Kosovo was very Islamophobic in his, uh, in his, in his, uh, in his statements and puts forward a very European idea. When they meet him privately in family context, he, he, he prowls himself with Islamic knowledge and, and so on and so forth. So the Albanian case is very, very interesting in this, that sense because it's very complex, it's very transnational, it's queer in that sense. It, it does not very fit into this modernist idea of either you are like us or you are, you are not part of us. And it's it's something which it should be further uh, addressed and, and 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 researched, and especially looking at the Albanian Albanian experience and trying to understand to what extent it fits into whiteness could be very very insightful. How far back does this othering date? Is it with the beginning of the war and them sensing that there is much more influx of migrants that's going to come from this part of Europe? I think it started in 1830, like when, when the Ottoman Empire was in slow collapse and then bigger collapse. And from this time on, you have this huge dilemma in which Albanian uh, identity found itself and it tried to somehow escape. And it escaped, it still exists. I mean, it could, be, it could have been possible historically that we would not exist, so we exist, but with, with huge paradoxes and contradictions and which also translates into very very bad standard of living for Albanian territories in the Balkans so it, it, it starts with if you want to say it like this with the beginning of European colonialism applied to Ottoman territories when European powers tried to get their hand on these territories then that was the starting point of othering of Albanians. Although you've mentioned that Albanians are the biggest Muslim minority in, in Switzerland, uh, yeah, you mentioned yeah. in the paper, though, yes, it wouldn't come to the mind that it is one of on, on the first when it comes to racism. And, but, but especially if you speak about the German-speaking context, I think it's important to, to look at uh, communities like the Albanian ones, because the German-speaking area is very, very rich which means that there are many, many cases who suffer racism in the German-speaking countries, but are never on the front page. So if somebody listens to this, uh, please keep it, take it as a motivation to look at other uh, identities which are sidelined or misunderstood or people find complex or exotic and stuff like that. Adam, thank you for your time. Thank you for the insightful talk um, today. I look forward to more chats with you. To our listeners, uh, you can find Adam's Twitter account for a follow in the description. And uh, see you all in two weeks. Thank you.